Super Friends with Eric Esquivel. Welcome back to Super Friends. I'm joined today by Henry Barajas, a longtime friend of me and an even longer friend of Superman. Hi, Henry. Hey, Eric. Thank you so much for letting me back on the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about World's Finest number two today from 1990. It, oh, was that when it was published? It was. Like I did research. Good. I'm glad. Um, Before we start, do you want some of my coconut water? Because you're saying how hot it is. And I, I didn't know this was coconut water. It has little like gritty pieces of stuff in it. Yeah. It's pretty gross. It's you want to go uh, sip? It's, yeah. Make sure we can hear the sip on the podcast. Get the audio going. Pretty gross, right? Pretty gross. That's our sponsor for the podcast. All right, so world's finest number two. Yeah, when I was a kid, I um, got a box of comics from my parents, and you know, there's like every comic under the sun, but no comics had just the villains on it. Sure. You know, I was blown away by that. So the cover for this issue, we should say, is that it's Lex Luthor and the Joker shaking hands. It's a real spooky. Yeah, it it freaked me out. I did not I did not like looking at it as a kid. It really just put me off. So you knew the villains before having read comics just from from well, media? Well, when I was a kid, my mom and dad didn't read. They just watched everything. Gotcha. So we watched the movies. Cool. Cool, cool. Not cool to literacy, but cool to the movies. Right, right. How did they get a box of comics? Well, they them? would um make a living by buying things from yard sales okay. and then going to the swap meet. There's a place and we're we're from Tucson. We are. And there's a place called the Tankaverde Swap Meet. Yeah, there is. And it's like they should be a sponsor. They have a They like, should. <laughs> That's where I bought my brass knuckles at from a, a racist. <laughs> uh he, he sold just like stuff the, for the coming race war. <laughs> And I pass as white, so I bought uh, a, a, like a Darth Maul style knife, and I bought uh, brass knuckles. Yeah, and I tried to fake like a Southern accent while I was doing it. But he sold just those two items and Confederate flags, and then I hit a box of hustlers under the table oh. under, under a Confederate flag. Oh, good! That's that, the only way to keep your hustlers. To me, that's what Tucson is. It's a box of hustlers <laughs> under a Confederate flag. <laughs> but anyway, you went to this uh, ticket for just want me. Yeah, so they would buy time. a bunch of stuff and they would sell it every week. They would buy this stuff every weekend. But it's a college town, so kids would leave town. And they'd leave their comics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I inherited many boxes of comics. And this is cool. one this was the one I remember reading being like, Oh, this is Batman and Superman from the movies. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing that they're from the comics. Sure, sure. So I like that your parents didn't read, but you did. That's that's like I would cool. put pretty comics telling. everywhere. There'd be comics in the living room, <laughs> in the bathroom. I'd be like, if anyone gets bored. Just pick up a Spider-Man Carnage <laughs> while you're on the porcelain. And I would always find the comics back in my room. My mom would collect them and put them back. Like, they just be, no, <laughs> we're not reading with you. Yeah. and That's a great parenting. <laughs> right? And I realized that I wanted to connect with my family so much, and I wanted them to read what I really liked. Of course. And I stopped when I gave my sister the Nightfall issue. Of Batman getting his back broken. Yeah, Spoiler yeah. alert. <gasps> oh. And she grabbed it and she threw it in the air and it comically just went into pieces. <laughs> just like hit a wheat thresher. <laughs> yeah. And it just went into, it was just in, and I knew Why as a kid. Why did she throw it in the air? She was just like, whatever. Like she just threw it in the air. She didn't care. She just did, 
just threw it in the air and it just tore apart. Mm. It was like God grabbed it and just. I no. wonder if that's just your memory because it, it was such an impactful thing to you. Right. It's like Inception. Just yeah. Like, so uh, ironically, your family didn't want to connect with you through comics, but you've made a family for yourself since then in comic yeah. books. You and I met from comics and been friends for like longer than anyone listening to this podcast is old. <laughs> <laughs> and you work at Top Cow? Yeah, I do. I got a chance. Um, two years. I'm going on my second year. Yeah, I hit up every person I could. Like, I need this job. If I'm going to be in L.A., mm-hmm. I might as well be in comics. You and I co-wrote a Girl Scout comic book in Tucson? That was the weirdest moment. <laughs> when, like, yeah, yeah, two, like, Chicano guys writing, like, a little white Girl Scout <laughs> book. It was amazing. We, uh, that was fun. And I was also pitching it to the girl that would end up being my girlfriend for two years. Yeah, let's mention that for sure. That let's was, talk uh, about that. That was, then that was probably the weirdest thing where I'm like, Oh, this girl's cute. But you I know, Henry, she... girls come and go, but Superman's always there. Exactly. So this issue, you found this skill set in, in Hawaii. When were you in Hawaii? So my friend um, needed help with his show called Amazing Hawaii Comic Con. Okay. And uh, my car broke down a couple weeks ago, like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I needed some money. So on Facebook, I'm like, I'll write, I'll draw, I'll pose nude, whatever you need. Sure. I need money to fix my car. And he was like, hey, man, if you want to come out to Hawaii and help me out. and Why would uh, you not? That's a great deal. Yeah. So, I, But it, the problem is you go out there and you're stuck in a hotel in a convention for 12 hours a day. Sure. And you don't get to go and do all the cool stuff, which is... But you're at a Comic-Con for 12 hours. Yeah. So there was this guy who kept like going, hey, brother, help me out with this or help me out with that. And mm-hmm. I would help him out. And then I went through his dollar comics. Yeah, dude. And I found this one. And, and this was you, really like, oh man, I needed it. And he goes, oh, you can have her brought out, whatever, because like they don't give a shit about anything. Because they're Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh they're yeah, cool. they 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 don't care. I love it. Awesome. I want to die there. Like soon? Or? Eh, you know when it's my time. Uh, it might be soon. Yeah. No why not? It, it, uh, we'll see how this podcast goes. <laughs> so is, this is not an issue that you had read before. I have read it. Okay, but you you purchased it recently to recapture your yes because you're old and right sad. yeah 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 I I bought it because I wanted to have something that I've loved since I was a kid gotcha, gotcha. and my whole collection is with Mike Olivares in Tucson oh okay and I, he said he took stuff to Bookman's and I'm afraid to find out what I don't have I love that you're name dropping people that no one knows I no I'm talking to you <laughs> oh it's very intimate now yeah like it's that. this is between us I like there's no microphones yeah well, so Mike Olivares is a guy who runs Tucson Comic Con yeah. yeah yeah, for those who don't know so Ooh. this so this issue you read when you were a kid because the villains were on the cover and that was that was spooky yeah and it was one of those like in the first page if you open it up which we will it's issue two of a three-issue series, which would say, from, from the 90s. It was uh, written by Dave Gibbons, who yeah. drew Watchmen. And then it was drawn by Steve Rude and uh, Carl Kessel. They were, yeah. And page one, Henry's looking page at Page right one, now. it's such a great picture of Clark. Yeah. You know, he's coming down from the train, and it's just, you know it's him. You they don't even have to say anything. He's got the old like fedora on, and I like. So what they're selling in this issue is that um, Batman is going to Metropolis and Superman is going to Gotham, 
and they're showing how the guys work differently in different cities. So page one is is Clark literally dressed in a golden suit, <laughs> and it with it's his like, glasses on. It's like Obama tan. Remember when Obama had the tan yeah, suit? Yeah, yeah. He's wearing the Obama tan suit. The Obama tan plus Dick Tracy, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then Gotham is this like really dark, but a bunch of like cold colors. So there's like blacks and grays and blues, and it's him just standing out like a sore thumb right off the bat. There's yeah. litter everywhere. Later in Gotham, we see like uh, prostitutes giggling, pointing up in the sky, going like, "Oh, it's the bat signal." No, it's a bird. Oh, it's Superman, and like, and they're like, "Hee hee!" I wonder if he like banks, you know? Yeah, it's it's a cool, it's like strip club girls nude. It's really, or it says girls, dudes, girls. It doesn't Steve, say <laughs> the dude rude. Yeah, it's a graffiti. There's like graffiti everywhere, and it's dirty. And then later on, when Bruce goes to Metropolis, we see it's a, he goes to a train station that's like it looks like a like a palace at this golden yeah. place and all the trash cans metropolis say superman says don't litter and it, it's like <laughs> this little wonderland compared to gotham yeah and then you see batman in metropolis and he's like still in the shadows even mm. though this whole place is well lit you know yeah yeah Creature and um it. yeah that's what i and i and i and i think i yeah i told you about this where i was helping out the tucson comic-con and uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time goes, hey, there's a guy named Steve Rude looking for you. And I'm probably like 19 years old at the time. Yeah. I was like, well, I look at her like, you don't know who that is. <laughs> Not because she's a girl. It's because I know her capacity in comics at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, are you messing with me? Because he's from the 90s. So this is, yeah. yeah. And then and then I, I turn around and there's this tall man. just like No, no sleeves. No sleeves. And he has like, his nose is like, beat red and he's like really oily and he goes Mr. Barajas mm-hmm. no one calls me Mr. Barajas and I was like holy cow it's Steve Rude Steve the dude Rude yeah days after he got arrested yeah should we talk about that Steve Rude so you and I are from Tucson yeah and uh, in Tucson there are n- no one does what we do no there's no comic people but in Phoenix there were like a couple there was John Lehman who created Chew. Yeah. John's out there and uh, Steve Rude was one of the more famous ones and he was a guy who was big in the 90s not so much in the current day at, th- at that point. Right. He's come back since at DC, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm so glad to see him back. He was kind of like top of the mountain as far as Phoenix. It was very exciting to talk to a guy who had drawn and written like Superman and he created Nexus, one of his, right. uh, like a space ghost typed indie character that was really fun. Yeah, and Nexus is great. He was like the man. He, yeah, and it's not like he did anything wrong. It was just something happened and he, I think he just got paper arrested or something. It wasn't like... Sure, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. Doesn't matter. But it was, uh, and then he asked me to like do, he wanted to teach a, pa- he wanted to teach a painting class and I already had set up the whole panels for that weekend and I wish I could have figured it out because it's like a really expensive class sure. to take and I had to tell Steve Rude no. Oh man. After he made your childhood. Yeah. Issue. And That's I like... told him, I was like, hey, you wrote my first Batman Superman comic world's finest number two and he goes, oh Yes. The Christmas comic I painted in July. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love that guy. He's uh, he's very much a man's man in comics, which you don't really have anymore, looking at the, you and I, right. Superman <laughs> comics, who are uh, barely qualified for the term. But he's, yeah, he's like a hard-fighting, hard-drinking, <laughs> getting arrested for punching his neighbor. Like, total... He was the Russell Crowe of comics. He absolutely is. Oh, I love that guy. I, I uh, wrote one of his characters. I wrote Nexus. Yeah, um, for like an anthology, right? Yeah, there was a... 
they paired up an old pro with a young gun. So I was the old pro, and there was some kid <laughs> yeah. from from uh, from the, the Kubert Kubert. school yeah. who I got to work with. I it, saw that anthology, and then I I like tried out for some more stuff afterwards with Steve, mm-hmm. uh, and he was like the biggest hard ass ever. He's like he he's like a drill sergeant. He's wow. like, this is, you got to do this and this, and the layout works this way. And it was like taking a master class. It was amazing. Yeah, I bet. I'm, I'm I like envious that of that. He's a very cool dude. Right. Now, I mean, it's funny when I was at the, I also managed a donut shop in Hollywood and I had to leave early and I was like, hey, I got to go. And my boss is like, why? And I was like, you're going to think it's dumb. I know you're not going to want me to go for this. And he's like, and he said something dumb. And I'm like, no, I'm going to a podcast about Superman. And he was like, Superman's the lamest character of all time. Oh, how edgy. Right? What a... And it's like, you've never... Well, you shut, you gasp. You're like, I've never heard someone be a contrarian before. What is your feeling on (laughs) Coca-Cola? And I was just like, it just bothers me, you know, because Superman is the the greatest superhero of all time. He's the first. That's why he wears primary colors, right? Everything else is derived from him. Uh, I know you have a Spider-Man tattoo. Yeah, I do. Spider-Man. There are no red and blue spiders. You know, everything's inspired no. by Superman. Oh, yeah, and totally. F- and, like, for people to think that uh, he's not a good character, but to be into superheroes blows my mind. It's like being, a like, a fan of Kesha, but not knowing, like, a single John Lennon song. Right. It's just embarrassing for you. you yeah, know? it is. It is. And um, I've always been a fan, and it always stems from Christopher Reeve. Sure. And I feel like when I look at this comic, there's a lot of him in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? There's like a really, one of my favorite, my favorite scene in the book is they, they like, uh, they go save these kids in an orphanage Mm -hmm. and they're like Batman and Superman are kind of like their guards are lowered. They're like adrenaline's like kind of finally settling Mm -hmm. and they're having a conversation about what, you know, about what happened. Mm -hmm. Like as like two coworkers would do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Christmas Eve, and Superman's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot," and then gives him gives Batman a gift. Oh, it's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I just I just like screen grab that that photo from Comicsology, or tell him what the gift is. Yeah, the gift was uh, Zorro. It's a VHS copy of the Zorro movie that yeah. Batman watched before him and his parents uh, walked down Crime Alley. <laughs> and I love that it's a VHS copy. Yeah, it's so it's so '90s and amazing. And it's like that page is like Superman's like smiling like. I know you like this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if he knows why he likes that movie or because, like, Batman has that Zorro look. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that's that. Because he's not taunting him. He's not like, no. I want you to remember your dead parents. Merry <laughs> Christmas. That could be pretty traumatic. Yeah, yeah. He just has, like, PTSD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think he's taunting him. I think, no, I think no. Because like, he even says, like, you've got sort of a Zorro vibe, isn't it? Yeah, gonna, yeah. Go ahead. Take it. I'm going to flip through right now. Yeah, that's the best sequence ever. Yes, thought it might be your kind of thing. Uh, perhaps you've already seen it, and he winks because, like, you wear black, and he yeah. wears black, and and you could just feel the like, you know, you could feel Batman be like, "Yes, I like this," mm-hmm. but he can't show it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like it's sort of like our friendship where it's two guys who like in Tucson, no one else was trying to make it in comics. Yeah, so it was hard to find people to talk to. So this is like these two, there's no other superheroes in this world <laughs> at this point right now. So they're like trying, Superman's like trying to forge a friendship and Batman was just trying to like have a partnership earlier right, on. So right. it's just like awkward, like, do you want to go get coffee? <laughs> want to no. be, be my podcast about Zorro? <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and then he's like, well, you can come over, you know, and, and have dinner with more than one person mm. than your butler. 
Yeah, yeah. And Batman's like, I ain't going there. I'm going to fight more crime. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't stop. Bats work alone. No, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what he says. I love. I love what he says. Hold on. There's this. Oh, he says crime never takes a holiday, Clark. Oh snap! And he drives away, and then Superman just launches his body up, <laughs> up in the air, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like he does. Yeah. Yeah, I really like uh, the way that the relationship plays out in this, and they also they like try to show you how different the two men are, like a. When Clark meets Alfred, he doesn't let him carry his bags for him. But then they cut across to Metropolis. Uh, he's like rented a new Alfred for the weekend. And there's this like young, this is like young man pushing like this cart full of fifty briefcases above his bat weaponry in it. Like Batman sort of like doesn't care about anyone except for the mission, right? And like it's all the cliche stuff that we know. But when you're a kid, it's cool to see the differences. Right. Even in this book, to see Batman operate in the daylight and Clark operate at night, that was sort of visually interesting too. Oh yeah, I mean Superman is still you know, statuesque and blue. You could still see his costume in the in the dark and there was always like a light that made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just a random light. It was like within his surroundings where he's like busting these guys at a at a like a con, like a construction site. Mm-hmm. And there's these like lights that are just kind of toppled over that illuminate Superman in a way that's like yeah, that's that's him. Mm-hmm. You know, I I really appreciate that, especially when Batman is busting the Joker in Metropolis and you, you can't see his face. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't exist, you know, and that that lore of Batman not existing where people are just crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you're the crazy one. Yeah, yeah. Not me for running around looking like the way I do. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's a great issue for sure. I wish sort of, it's a missed opportunity that with Superman going to Gotham and vice versa, I would like to have seen them interact with those villains. But the vi- the reason they went to the different cities is because the villains did first. Right. And the story, like the Joker went to Metropolis to buy an orphanage or something. It, yeah. It's this, it's this land grab deal because it's part of that movie Lex Luthor continuity. Right. No, true. And so they're chasing after their old familiar villains in new cities. So the the setting looks different, but I would have loved to see like Toy Man versus Batman or something. Yeah, that would have been cool. But also... And it's like, and that is also one of the things where like they could just trade off, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I feel like beating up your guy, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that also is kind of like, it's his dirty laundry. Like this is my problem sure, sure. and I want to f- figure this out in your backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And they both have the personal connection there. Like Clark is uh, pursuing Lex, not as Superman, but as an investigative reporter. Right. And then Bruce is doing the whole detective thing. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, I also really find interesting the date that Lois goes on well it's not it's more of an interview right yeah like Bruce wants it to be a date she wants (laughs) an interview yeah let's talk about that that's a great scene yeah that's the you know like because Bruce is a horn dog but you I don't know (laughs) he's James Bond in this he wants yeah he's but he never I don't think he ever closes a deal does he I don't know I don't what's what's your take what do you think as a writer as a writer I would say yes I would say because um, he needs, I think it's part of the, like, it has to be part of the whole, the whole gimmick of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. The whole persona. Yeah. And a large part of me, I want to actually, I want it to be yes, but <laughs> I don't think it is. I think that he, uh, this is why I don't like Damien that much. I don't think that he, I think he lives in constant fear of becoming a father because mm. he doesn't know what that's like. And he's obsessed with the idea of family and stuff. So I think like. I don't know if he would allow himself to have sex with somebody. He's like, mm. keep checking the bat con every two seconds. <laughs> but I think I, I like creating a family that isn't bulletproof makes him nervous. That's why all of his friends and family are like Kryptonian or he trains them in martial arts. Like everyone that he knows is unkillable either because yeah. 
they are naturally or he made them so. That's true. And just like loving, a, like even connecting emotionally with someone on a very base level, I think would be uncomfortable because what if they die? Right. But I also feel though, is, and maybe I'm wrong, but like there is that every human has that feeling of, um, you know, just procreating. So sure. I feel like, I feel like Lois is, is drop dead gorgeous mm-hmm. and a fireball. And that's the woman you want, but she won't let you have her. Yeah, I for sure see Batman having actual feelings for Lois Lane because she is someone you don't have to worry about. She right. is incredibly tough, and she's incredibly intelligent and skilled. And like, her dad's a general in the military. Like, she she would be someone who's like both worthy and safe for that affection. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but I like in that sequence when um, Lois doesn't like him until Lex walks over. And tries to talk shop with Bruce. Yeah. And Bruce is like, oh, like, F you. And then, she, and then she calls him Bruce for the first time. It's all Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne. And then he shows his true colors by, like, kind of sneering at Lex. She's like, oh, okay. Hi, yeah. that's kind of attractive. Clark never does that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Bad boy. That's true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, no, that's the, there. he was the bad boy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Jimmy was kind of trying to pal around Bruce, too, which was interesting. Yeah, he's this, like, hero worship thing. So speaking of uh, palling around, let's go skip through the park together and take a break and give some time for our LexCorp sponsors. All right. Let's do it. And we're back. We're back. So on, during the break, we were talking about the other uh, different Batman, Superman, World's Finest matchups that have been and how this compares to those. You're a fan of the 90s cartoon one, right? Yeah. And we just reached the 25th anniversary for... The anim- Batman the Animated like, Series. We're all going to die so soon. Right? So soon. Yeah, it's just, this is it. We're almost we're almost out. I remember like, watching that on Saturday morning and stuff. Yeah. Like, the cartoons were on TV. Yeah. And they weren't for 30-year-old men. <laughs> <laughs> Made by 30-year-old men? For 30-year-old men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I'm gonna, uh, so anyway, that's, you, you're a fan of that show, right? That movie? It. The show, the Batman the Animated Series, which is kind of what spun off the Superman Animated Series... And the world's finest from the nineties, yeah. like it was like a two episode uh, world premiere, like huge event within that world. And that the animated series really gave me something to um, forge my moral compass through. Oh yeah, That's yeah. Cool. Like you, like I've heard you talk about how comics did that for you but mm-hmm. before comics for me it was batman the animated series oh that's excellent cuz you know you i was uh you know grew up in a catholic household and we'd go to church every sunday and i didn't really believe what they were telling me sure you know sure. it's presented in a way that is like really not accessible no where it's like you all know the story and like no <laughs> not really and like and this for sure really happened there's a guy in a whale and like, I don't even think they believe that that's a no yeah. and they always gave you a book that wasn't the Bible like within this this Catholic church I went to you didn't read from the Bible you read from a book that was like here's the next like three notes. months uh, and here's a passage and then the improv actor upstage is going to do like a, a, sh- a scene. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and no offense to religious folks. Of I course mean, not. But like the church that you went to. In yeah, yeah. It's it was not- very uh, weird. But then, so then when you watch this, the show, you saw the like every, what I, when I could imagine at the time, good and bad, you saw that distinctive look between Batman and Mr. Freeze with revenge and love and... And the Batman, the world's finest. And when I saw that, I was like, "That's I don't ever need to see a movie 
Like this is it. Sure. Like a this live action, was, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And I that's when I saw the Batman versus Superman, I was like, I am so disappointed. They could have just literally added adapted that. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a far better movie, but you can't, you know, there's just whatever. And the difference between this book that we're talking about, World's Finest Number Two, and the show is the um, Lex hires the Joker to kill Superman. Which is a cool idea because the idea that Lex Luthor can't get his hands dirty, but the Joker absolutely can, yeah. is a fun thing to exploit in the comics. Right. No, and, and Superman is dealing with someone who, in his rogues gallery, and uh, you please correct me if I'm wrong, is nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no mass murderer. Mm-hmm. That re- Superman has to deal with. Yeah, yeah. There's the Superman Revenge Squad that all go after him specifically. Okay. And, and then there's like the, the world conquerors and stuff. But yeah, no one's just like randomly murdering someone for no reason. Like it's it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Oh, definitely. For Superman, for yeah. sure. So that, I love that whole, that whole two episodes where you see Batman come in and he is so cool. Mm-hmm. And Superman is just so pissed that he's not that cool. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to have him be vulnerable in that way. Right. And even Lois takes a shine to him. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Conroy's voice, man, he melts butter. I guess. You know, good. and in that episode, he has the best. And, and that's why I was thinking about this on my way over here. The Batman, the animated series, we're all going to be like, yeah, that was 25 years ago. I don't know if we're going to be doing the same with the Superman animated series. Why is that? I just don't think they wrote him as strong. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people really respond to the Batman one. I think it hit a zeitgeist in the 90s where everything was really dark, and it was like, it was the era of like Spawn and X-Force, and Batman was like a very gothic character, and that's when like the goth stuff peaked uh, musically and in mm-hmm. fashion, too. So it hit a lot of like nexus points there of culture, right. so I feel like a lot of people were into it. I love the Superman animated series. I do, too. No, I do. And I feel like, I mean... I feel like we can all point to like very specific moments in the Batman series and like the Heart of Ice, mm-hmm. I think is like huge. And I think it's probably the best one out of all of them. But like, and I wanted to ask you this, what do you think is that episode for the Superman series? Uh, I talked to this guy, Ethan, a couple episodes ago about the episode Fun and Games, mm-hmm. which had the Toy Man character in it for the first time. And they played him like the Punisher in that. And it was the idea of like a brutal fear uh worshiping vigilante taking on criminals in metropolis and superman being totally opposed to that and showing the opposite way and how to lead by example and then how to like reform people and i feel like that was a very strong like thesis statement in that no that's good but there's also like there's a, a two-part lobo episode oh yeah it is really great that is just like a about the current trends of the 90s. So it was a guy who looks like Lemmy from Motorhead right. on a Ghost Rider motorcycle with like Wolverine catchphrases on a cigar. <laughs> and, it, and it was like him and Superman butting heads and them talking about like which one is really worthy of the title of like the main man. Like what what is masculinity? Is right, this like I remember really that. Is showy, violent thing? Or is it like a quiet strength where you're making the world safe for the people around you? Like there's a lot of really strong... Episodes that talk about like just what being a man is, yeah. And Batman, I felt had, had really compelling characters and had really engaging like stories about those characters. But it didn't feel to me to talk about those big, giant, like biblical questions the way that Superman did. Yeah, that could just be me though. No, I I can see that because you didn't get the overall big picture. It's like Batman is very day to day. You know, like how is he going to get through tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Because tomorrow something else is bad is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know. And that's what I, what I appreciate about Superman and what you see in this book is that it, it's so hard to be a good guy. 
you know, and he does it and it's so hard for him. Yeah, yeah. And what I love about what I love about Superman is that he could be he has to be sitting somewhere. Like pretend he was sitting here with us <laughs> and he can hear like someone getting killed. And there's nothing he can't run out at that moment. Yeah, he yeah. just has to let it pass him. And he can't seek vengeance, which is the harder thing, I think, too. I like in this book, there's a, Lex Luthor's pulling a bunch of shady dealings where he's trying to buy an orphanage and they're, they're like, they're turning kids into criminals and it's very like Dickensian. And uh, I like the idea that Superman doesn't know what to do with that. It feels like, like I keep saying it, but obviously Donald Trump right. was this like yeah. clear, obvious villain, but you can't nail them on anything because they haven't like, it's like, yeah, they haven't technically broken the law yet. No. Or if they're in, in control of the law, like, what do you do to that? And Superman is that, like, that clenched, shaking, white-knuckled fist that we have when we're like, someone should do something about all the problems, but what do you do? How far do you take it? Right. And I, I, they really exploit that a lot in this book. I agree. I agree. And it's not until the Joker ruins it mm-hmm. where then you have the psycho... Batman come in and just kick doors in and kick teeth in. Yeah, yeah. And where I also, um, in that at the end of that scene, I hate to spoil this book for everybody, but it's really old. That's <laughs> um, the issue two of a three issue series too. And uh, the Joker's dressed as as Santa. That was really scary, like genuinely <laughs> scary. Yeah, there's a scene where he's just laughing, and the, I can't believe the kids didn't recognize this pale man with green hair just (laughs) like laugh maniacally in a world where like glasses make you Clark Kent (laughs) and not Superman I think like a Santa beard would disguise the Joker yeah and there's a there's a scene where the the orphanage goes it starts to burn Mm -hmm. and Superman and Batman are just running kids out as fast as they can and it's happening so fast and there's a scene where um, Superman knows there's someone in the building still. Sure. And it's the guy that owns a building that's selling the orphanage who burnt it down himself. And you see Batman hold Superman back. Mm-hmm. And it's always the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's This guy is di- has died in a fire and it's uh, it's grisly and horrible, but Clark still wants to rush in just in case there's hope. And Bruce holds him back, not because Superman will get hurt, because he won't. He's, he's fireproof, but he just doesn't want Clark to have to go see that. Yeah. He's like, it's too late. And he, he's like protecting the innocence of Clark Kent. And I really enjoyed that too. This whole book, it's, it's an orphanage that they're fighting over because they're both orphans. And they're talking about like common threads in the two characters. I personally hate whenever Batman is in a Superman story. Really? I hate it so much. And that's all they do with the character of Superman now. Mm-hmm. He's just like a supporting character for, for Batman. Uh, it bums me out to see him because like... I guess my suspension disbelief goes out the window. Like, I don't know what Batman can do when Superman's there. Like, right. Superman's a super genius, which they've played down in recent years, and yeah. he's super fast. And, like, I, I don't it, know why there are weird. other superheroes in the Superman mythology. I, it always kills it for me. What is your thought on that, being a big Batman guy? Um, yeah, I am the big Batman guy. I When I see them together, it's like, it to me, it's like the two guys that should never have ever met. You know, they always play down Superman when Batman's in the room. Right. And they always like so it ruins the character. Every time there's a Batman Superman crossover, there's always like a point where someone goes like Superman's the lamest character ever. Because on that one thing, Batman did this thing better than him. Like your your donut manager guy. (laughs) They never do it the opposite. There's never a a thing where it's like Batman could never do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this scene where they're taking the kids out of the building, Superman could have done it all. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. before you could blink. Yeah. 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 So that it, the suspension of disbelief is, is 
I think, I mean, depending on how deep you want to get with it, it does, it is weird. And, yeah, it only detracts from the character. They're always like, this is why Superman's not as good as even a guy who trained really hard. Right. Superman is a guy who trained really hard. He just also <laughs> has powers. So he's like, he's not just like playing checkers and has an off time. Like, yeah. yeah. I also think, though, this is a good example of when that doesn't happen. What you hate doesn't happen. Because they're both. And then there's also like, I feel like when I look at these two characters, there's, they're, they're in different eras. Mm-hmm. Like this one is in the 90s because of the fashion, but the feeling feels golden age. Yeah, but Superman and Batman, like, Batman came out two years after Superman in right. reality. So, like, why does Superman get to be the modern guy and then Clark never... Yeah. Clark is stuck in, like, Art Deco, 1938. I like the look, though. I like lot. that look for Batman, too. Yeah. I so, just think, though, with this example, I think that they both shine. Mm-hmm. None of them look inferior to each other. Sure. And they really complement the, you know, the bromance or whatever. Like, the the two of them that are the Batman-Superman team, you know, this is, like, I think the best superheroes mm-hmm. in the same room. They're the world's finest, one might exactly. say. Exactly. Yeah. And the... I don't know. And then you you have these two people dealing with their own problems, Joker and, and Lex, mm-hmm. in the same room. So, And what I also like about this book, just not to ignore what we're doing or talking about, mm-hmm. when you flip over the book, there's a... And I don't know if you can see this digitally. I, yeah, I can really you? like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, cool. So there's like the same scene on the cover, but then their thugs, their like backups, are pointing guns at each other. Mm-hmm. And I always... And I... And I always found that that in the comedy in that is so funny. Sure, because like ostensibly they're just shaking hands and they're having a good time, but off in the shadows there's this like this crime thing brewing, this yeah. crime story. Yeah. yeah, no, and it's hard to pull humor off. And I think why probably people don't really gravitate towards Superman is because there's not a lot of levity. It's very Really? I don't I, think so. I don't think there's I, any the jo- there's a I lot think of jokes. Of with Superman is just like slapstick Clark Kent dropping a cup of water on Steve Lombard. Well, or, yeah, or, with or Clark like, or, or Lois Lane roasting him. Yeah. Or I yeah. guess you're right. Yeah. I guess you're right. But with, when it comes to Superman, he's not I mean he's smiling and winking way more than Batman ever has. Yeah. Superman has a much better sense of humor, I think. Oh, totally. Batman there is does. no sense of humor. I think there's a sense of humor within I mean, I guess with both with both rogues galleries, like Mitzelplex and Riddler mm-hmm. and Joker, you know, there is a there is a comedy to the it. The prankster. The prankster. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, I feel like Metallo has a lot of dumb one-liners. I like Metallo in the cartoon a lot because he's, uh, he's played as like a foodie. Yeah. And then when he can't experience sensation anymore as a human, he's like, oh, I just want to like feel lotion on my skin again and have like some some like delicious broccoli. Isn't he like Australian or something? Uh, Doesn't he have an accent? He's the guy who played Alec from Clockwork Orange plays him. Oh, wow. So that's cool. That's, yeah, I didn't know that. High class villain. Yeah. It's, it's a shame they haven't used him in, in film. Metallo? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, as Superman and X-Men, they have the same villains. It's yeah. Like it's always a brotherhood. And it's always Lex. Mm. We if if the if the public saw Bizarro, they'd freak out. Yeah, yeah, Bizarro would be amazing. I'd also really like Brainiac. I think that oh, he has potential. It would, yeah. And in an era where like they just want to fight gray things in every third act of every Superman movie ever, I don't know why there aren't like a ton of Brainiac clones oh, in a Superman. That'd be movie. so cool. 
and he can like fully unleash because they're robots. So he can like do all of this crazy hyper violence that people want to see now, yeah. but it's on a robot, so it's fine. Yeah, and, it's like, fine. Yeah, robot crimes or robot racism isn't a thing yet. I can't yeah, wait to let full a thing. full Asimov, <laughs> full I robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- this story, you being a writer, has this has this story affected you in your work? Do you think? Um, it affected me in a way that that I think that it, there is like the within the story the scenes and the cities are characters mm-hmm. you know I never really thought about it when I was a kid until oh, sure. you know you like well you use that ambiance to create a mood and I feel like in comics it's a lot of people don't create a mood unless it's in horror oh I gotcha yeah yeah, yeah. That's interesting. You mentioned like trying to find like comedy in these stories yeah. too, and you're a comedian. I've yeah. seen you perform stand up about Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you filmed me doing comedy once. That I was did. that was uh, that was fun. I did. I did. Uh, are there any like routines that are comic? They're like Superman or Batman based that you. Um, the one I hated was Dane Cook's joke. Have you heard his? No. What is that? He's like his thing was like I hate it when super when someone wears a Superman shirt. You know, I just want to go up there and shoot him in the chest. Ha! Guess didn't work. Like, the fact that you wear a shirt of Superman automatically makes you Superman. Yeah. Was he wearing a basketball jersey while he was saying it? He was, uh, man, I I hated that joke. (laughs) I hated that joke so much. He's like, maybe we should call you Super Bleed. Hmm. Like, that was just such a, like, I feel like that was the end of the Dane Cook. I've ran out of the good jokes I've written. I'm too popular. I don't have time to work on material. You know, and I and I hated that joke. That's one thing. Um, no, I feel like there's more Superman songs, like don't don't um, don't spit in the wind. Sure, sure. It was the REM? Yeah, like and don't tug on Superman's cape. And the three doors down, Kryptonite. Yeah, Speaking what a disappointment! What a disappointment! Right, those yeah. guys. Have you? Well, as soon as I saw them, that the 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 Kryptonite band was playing for Trumps. <laughs> do you think Trump knew who, he, who they were? I thought it was a subtle like Lex Luthor reference where he was like, yeah, I've become what I've always wanted to. Or he was just like, wait, someone wants to play? Sure, let him on. <laughs> just let anybody on. It's, re- it's And then the guys are playing all songs that are at least 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. That's funny. And, so, and you mentioned the Dane, the Dane Cook thing. The, the, the joke in that, or like the comedic bit in that joke is that it's someone like Superman. And yeah. I feel like in comedy a lot, the joke is that like someone has read a comic or knows what a comic is. <laughs> like the punchline is that you can read and that's horrible. I love, I, I heard your Spider-Man bit where you're like, you cast different actors yeah, as Spider-Man and yeah. like impressions. Do you, not to put you on the spot, do you want to do any of that? <laughs> because with, with the caveat that it was from like 19 years ago. Um, the idea was I would love doing impressions of people. Sure, sure. So the joke was, uh, I hate the new Spider-Man movie and it was... Andrew Garfield. Oh, yeah. And I guess that's dating the joke. Look at how edgy we are. We don't like Dane Cook <laughs> or the amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I, didn't, I mean, yeah, I just didn't I didn't like it. So then I I did like, I wish uh, Tracy Morgan was Spider-Man. <gasps> You're, that was before Miles Morales. You should get a check, sir. You created Miles Morales. And uh, he's like, what did he say? He's like, was it, yo, Doc Ock, what's with your bullshit haircut and your man titties flopping around? You know, just something really bad. <laughs> And then like Doc Ock, like Christopher Walken as Doc Ock, You're like whoa, Spider Man, your girlfriend Mary Jane. It's like turning into Woody Allen. <laughs> it should have been Woody Allen. Your girlfriend Mary Jane. She she told me you you you're a premature web slinger. 
And then uh, Bill Cosby before all the rape allegations oh, were before public. You, before you knew about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah before it was public, uh, he was, um, Bill Cosby was Uncle Ben. And uh, this was like, what was it? He was like, you see, Peter, great power comes great responsibility. Just that. You know, That's pretty... and I don't, I'm glad no one really, yeah, whatever. Anyway. So, uh, so now you're working at a donut shop. Yeah. <laughs> Comedy's really working out here in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, this interview's over. <laughs> Henry just flipped the table and set a car on fire. Yeah, no, that was the, the Spider-Man bit that I love doing. And everyone in my within my comedy circle didn't like it because they didn't like that I, that I did impressions. Mm-hmm. And I think when people see that, they're like, well, your impression, every impression is someone else's impression of that person. Okay. You know, like, I think Jay Moore kind of set a tone for Tracy Morgan. Uh, what's his name? Palak. Kevin Palak, I think is his name. He like set the Christopher Walken, you know, hmm. impression. So it was just impressions of those impressions. And that's what I didn't like about my impressions. Mm-hmm. That I... I well with those with the Christopher Walken. I I saw a movie and he did like a bit that was like that. So it was me fumbling the words. So it wasn't like the other guy's impression. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, comedy is important to you in comics. I remember like you created a superhero that had comedy in it too. Yeah, the Captain Unicorn. Character. Captain Unicorn. Yeah, that was a that was one that I did with Christian Valere, and we both love. Um, we did it as a pitch. Remember the. The Smiths comic about the... I do, yeah. yeah There's yeah. an anthology that's based on the songs of the Smiths. That, yeah, you, know, you can get them. it here at Meltdown. Yeah. Where this podcast is recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, but you shouldn't. Because it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good because Henry's part our is good. story... Henry's part is good. We, we were the weird story in the volume one, because you're in volume two. I am. And volume one, they didn't know the every news source or whatever who's reporting on the book, didn't know how to pitch the book until... They read our story, I guess. They'd be like, oh, well, okay. and then someone made Morsi into a superhero. And that was um, us getting killed. Gotcha. And that was fun. And we wanted, because he's vegan, and we wanted to play on that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he read it and was offended. I'm sure he did. Because sure. it's that meltdown and he's in yeah. Hollywood. So. Yeah. So, no, and that's where Captain Unicorn came from. It was the Batman-Robin dynamic of the, like, you know, the Frederick Wortham homoerotic kind of thing. We mm. wanted to kind of transform like that. that. Yeah. And I was inspired by Anderson Cooper. He was in Africa and someone threw a brick at a kid's head and he like picked up the kid. He was blood all over he the kid. He looked like Captain America. Yeah. It was amazing. And I was yeah, like, I wow, I want, like, that's a superhero mm-hmm. right there. He's Clark Kent. He's yeah, like yeah. reporting. And he yes, just, yes. He just his he had huge muscles all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, whoa! He acted so quickly and helped this person. Became part of the story. And yeah. that's what we wanted to do with Captain Unicorn. Yeah, I like that character a lot because you deal with the real world issues in it, but it's also very funny. Yeah, and super heroic. So it's like three different genres at the same time. Yeah, we like we put a, a we put fifteen pounds of crap in a ten pound bag. I dug <laughs> the book a lot. Is that available still? No. We should, not. we should put it up online or something. It was really fun. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't like reading it. No one does though. It's, it's fine. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like going back on it. But it's. Is it's, it is it dumb to think that's why you're a Joker fan? Because you're a comedy guy, and I know you love the Joker character. I do like the Joker character. Mark Hamill, you know, the voice of the character. I feel like really played on that 
psycho hilarious part, you sure. know, that fine line, mm-hmm. which I feel like comedy and comedians have to like, there's a, there's a real, I think mentally there's like a weird mental thing with somebody who wants to go on stage and make it all about themselves yeah, and then string to look together words that get a result of laughter. It is like manipulating someone emotionally. Oh yeah. And like the catharsis after you're like, I did it. I made you feel something. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I mean, I love drinking. I love, you know, I'm, I'm not a big drug guy, but I, I'll do them, but nothing like gives me that kind of high, mm-hmm. but laughter people laughing makes me feel drunk. Is there like a certain darkness to comedians too oh, yeah. that you feel like is present in the Joker? Like that's not really explored that much culturally, but it's for sure a thing in the comedy community. Yeah. There's the, um, you're not the same person when you're on stage. Hmm. The way you talk on stage is not how you're going to address somebody at a drive through Sure. Sure. Unless you're a psycho. Mm-hmm. Unless like you're always on. And I feel like that was Robin Williams's problem. Yeah. He was he was either on or just miserable, hmm. and I can I can see that I can relate to that where you're just like you want everyone to be happy because you grew up being unhappy, mm-hmm. and that unhappiness really just triggers so much crap, and you just want to deal with that by make pleasing everyone else, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like that's probably with you know that plays into the Joker and Batman and why they're so connected. You know. Yeah, and with Superman too. I think the idea of the Joker. Um, you said that comedy is sort of a way of controlling emotions. So Joker's very like controlling, and Batman's very controlling, and Superman's like the opposite of that. He's a guy that's devoted to service. Yeah, and that's a really fun pairing in this book. That's why I like that. Right, right, and it's unfortunate they didn't meet physically. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are you gonna do with that? Well, just to see that those those two forces come together, but the Superman force is so much stronger. Sure, sure. Like. He could kill him, but he won't. Mm-hmm. But he'll stop him, you know? I think he might actually laugh at his jokes, too. Because <laughs> Batman, like, never cracks a smile on Joker. He keeps, like, getting bigger and bigger to try, right. to, try to, like, get an emotional reaction out, out of Bruce. I think Clark might just give it to him. Like, oh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. That murdering stuff isn't, but, like, <laughs> he might, like, pat him on the back. No, that's true. Mm. Yeah. But, no, I mean, and we we always talked about doing a uh, Black Terror Captain Unicorn comic. Oh, it would have been cool. Yeah, I that. yeah. I, I, those are like I feel like those two characters are kind of like Batman, Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, like absolutely. Yeah, Black Terror is the like Batman. Yeah, very stiff upper lip kind of guy. Yeah. No, that was uh, that book. I'm I'm still such a big fan of. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that was fun. I have to bring that guy back. Can people? Soon. Yeah, can people buy that? That's Uncomicsology. Yeah, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. good. It's under the title Blackest Terror. Blackest Terror. Yeah, mm-hmm. such a. So it was like Sam Jackson, man. That's yeah. I just that's what I can hear in the back. That was a lot of fun. When I, when I read that in my head. So what's next for you creatively? You do a lot of stuff. You make comedy, you make comics, you make donuts. Yeah, no, donuts, uh, very creative. Confuse all three of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're in Hollywood and you're listening to this <laughs> and you want to come to Kettle Glaze, I'll totally give you a free comic. I'm going to bleep that unless you sponsor. So give me like five bucks. <laughs> 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 um, forget that. No, I'm working on a comic about my great-grandfather. It's, uh, it's my... Years of being a journalist mm-hmm. in Tucson, Arizona, and my love for comics and my my obsession and my need to make them coming together mm-hmm. for the first time and telling a story that hasn't been told in a way that I've always wanted to tell a story. At first, it was going to be prose. Okay. I was going to write it as like a series of articles, kind of like, and then publish it with a, a you know, like a news 
organization. But mm-hmm. then I read John Lewis's March. Oh man, that's a great book. And it moved me mm-hmm. and it brought me to tears. And I felt like this is the, what, like I felt so stupid for a second. Like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing the Native American version of March? Mm-hmm. Because Native Americans in in media are portrayed as idiots, drunks, mm-hmm. And it's offensive. Of course. I've read so many books and watched so many. Like, you know, I love Twin Peaks. But the Native American cop has maybe 10 lines throughout two seasons. Yeah, he's very stoic and has yeah, no emotion, no arc. And that's Nothing. really common. That's in Lone Ranger. It's the same thing. Yeah, Johnny Depp was the Native American character. Yeah. Which I'm sure he's probably part Cherokee or something because every white person is yeah <laughs> but the portrayal of that character yeah it was, it, was horrendous yeah, yeah it was uh it was in yeah and then you see the you know tonto and the lone ranger you know and then i feel i mean i'm a big sherman alexis fan and he was the oh guy. yeah yeah he's like i feel like the guy who was who took that and put it in people's faces yeah, he wrote a uh, tonto and the lone ranger fist fight in heaven yeah, and another good book that I I would recommend everyone. I mean, he has so many good books, but uh, Indian Killer hmm. is really good, and mm-hmm. it's the book that made me want to read more crime hmm. stuff. So, right now. So, can you? What's the high concept for your the high concept? Like, like two sentence pitch. It's the the story about how my great grandfather and a um, political um, a p- political activist group help the last Native American tribe become uh, federally recognized by the, the government. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah. I love how all of these like guests that I've had who are into Superman and Batman and stuff, like they have real heroes in their life who they respond to. And yeah. It's not just something that's like on celluloid or on like, like, you know, comic pages. It's, it's the real life people. That's, that's incredible, man. Yeah. And it's, the, it's about my great grandfather and how he banded together Mexicans, Americans, natives, black folks, you know, gay people, Kryptonians. everybody, Kryptonians and animals and creatures. The city of Tucson wanted to build the freeway through the Pascuayaki's land. Ugh. And they were there. You know, I mean, it's the city's a post-World War II city and everything kind of just started to grow. And they got to a part where these people were already living here and they're taking the trash and making houses mm-hmm. and building furniture and... They do a weird dance every Easter. Sure, we want to get to we want to get to Phoenix faster. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's yeah. build through, let's displace twelve thousand people. Mm-hmm. And my great grandfather, who was well respected, World War II veteran, just didn't wasn't having it. That's excellent. And got these people together, and they stopped it with Cesar Chavez guest star <laughs> very cool it's a good cameo to have. Yeah, that's a, that's a world's finest right there. <laughs> and uh, but my portrayal. Uh, in my research of two years, I found out my great grandfather wasn't that wasn't that much of a good guy, hmm. and uh, he, the family, he had issues with his own family hmm. while trying to keep twelve thousand people together, and I f- like that dynamic hmm. and like straight out of Compton, love that movie, hmm. but uh, Ice Cube was an angel. Sure. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Like those guys were just like, we have all these guns. We're going to might kill you, but we're cool. You know, everything's cool. Sure, sure. We're, there was no repercussions mm-hmm. except for Easy E. Yeah. And they're not, they're not real people in that regard. And that's, that's doing it a service to, because then in reality, when we find someone who's flawed, we're like, well, everything they stand for is wrong then, which is not the case. Right. MLK probably cheated on his wife. 
but doesn't mean that like the civil rights movement wasn't valid. Like, exactly. Yeah. That's the that's the thing I want to talk about. That's excellent. What's, do you have a title for that? It's called uh, "Thought the Rambo, La Voz de Mayo." Like the that. voice of Mexican American Yaquis and others. Very cool. Yeah, I'm gonna be uh, launching the Kickstarter really soon. Can I make one suggestion? Please. Can you put Witchblade in there? Because <laughs> if you can work in Witchblade, then the top oh, cow. Oh man, it that is a good idea, man. Yeah. No, this is going to be. Uh, this is gonna be personal. For me, uh, I'd love to do something with Top Cow. Even you know, I work with them yeah, and I do the all their, and uh, they're they got a lot of cool stuff coming up. You know, with the top old Top Cow stuff. So mm. keep an eye out if you like Witchblade and Cyberforce. I'm more into your story. That sounds great. Let us know when that comes out, and I'll let all the fans. Oh, know thank you. Stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, yeah. What about you? What are you What are you working on? Yeah, just a spot. Who cares? Who cares? No, let's yeah, yeah. no, let's talk about you. Come on, you, you can know. edit it out. Tons of awesome comics. I have a. My Superman story is in this giant omnibus <gasps> that's coming out in like I think November. That's it's called awesome. the DC Universe uh, Rebirth Omnibus Extended Edition. Cool. That's and you, who, who did you get to work on? With oh, that? Dan Jurgens. Who did the Blue Superman stuff that I love? So death of much. Superman and the Death of Superman. Oh shoot. Good. We're, We're good. good. Uh, I can't hear myself though. I'll get My you, plug. I'll get you. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So Dan Jurgens, who's the man. <gasps> I remember when I saw that getting announced, I was so proud. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Because you see that. the, you know, the Tucson guys, you know, and you see them doing what you, we've, what you've always said, what you wanted to do. Oh, thanks, man. And if I, if, you know, before that, if anybody asked, that was what I would say, Eric is going to write Superman or he wants to write Superman. Oh, that thanks, is what dude. he's going to do. And you did it. I appreciate that. Yeah. This podcast in a big way is me trying to make my name synonymous with the character. And, uh, I want people to know that i love that guy and i well i mean you do you're probably the like besides mark wade you're probably the only guy i know that likes superman this much i appreciate that i feel like there's me john morris and chris haley are like the online tremvert of guys <laughs> who like always cry at trailers and stuff but yeah i i uh, have a personal connection to the character that's very important to me i feel like superman saved me the way that he in, in, in comics the way that he saves people I feel like in real life that character saved me he brought me friends like you which I'm yeah. very grateful for he brought me uh, this podcast and uh, yeah everything good in my life I can trace back to that character so I feel like a profound debt that I have to give back to that guy even though he's not quote unquote real no totally I heard John on Word Balloon did you listen to his interview which one uh, John LA? Morris was on oh I haven't yet yeah that's awesome John Suntress's Word Balloon cool cool it went it went from like his book that he sold like a million copies through Loot Crate. The, the Legion of Regrettable Superheroes? Yeah. <laughs> and Villains. Yeah. that I think that was the one. Because my sister had it. Because she got Loot Crate. I was like, why do you have this? <laughs> she goes, I don't know. You can have it. Get, get it away from me. <laughs> it's she, an excellent book. John is uh, a brilliant, brilliant man. Oh, yeah. Another Tucson guy? Yeah. Yeah, we're taking over. All three of us. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. So that was our Smallville. And now we're in Metropolis yeah. of LA trying to make it, working, slinging donuts. And I'm like know. a month out from being homeless, but let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've been here two years, two weeks ago. Excellent. Congratulations. Yeah. And um, actually, it's weird to be in a city where superheroes are embraced. Yeah, every time I finish this podcast, I walk home. I, I walk to the Hollywood Boulevard to get on the train, mm -hmm. and I walk past at least three supermen. And oh, there's yeah. always like an Asian guy, a black guy, and a white guy, and it's awesome. I just see Superman's after this podcast, and I just like fill with light. <laughs> it's a, it's pretty great. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's embraced, and where we come from, it's not 
looked down upon, but it's not acknowledged. You know, it's not turning that on an asset. Like knowing about Superman got me this podcast to meltdown. Uh, the the Dan Harmon thing when I went to Dan Harmon's show and oh, I was yeah. we saw about Superman. And I was like vibrating with hate when he was like, I don't like Superman, and I came up there. I just got back the colors for our comic we wrote together about our fake Lex Luthor character oh, cool. called Gregory Graves, and a uh, Philip Bond in the cover Ooh. of Tank Girl fam. And like, yeah, knowing about superheroes actually gets you jobs in LA. It's, it's oh, pretty yeah. fun. No, totally. I'm glad you're here. No, I'm glad I'm, glad I'm here too. I mean, it's rough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I miss I miss the cheap beer. Clark misses and, Smallville, but Metropolis yeah, is where he belongs. That's so true. Yeah, that's so true. I miss the Mexican food, but you know, this yeah, is, yeah. Uh, this city is is put a new life in me. You know, is, is L.A. more Metropolis or more Gotham? I'm gonna go Metropolis because everyone's all shiny and pretty, even if they're dark inside. <laughs> the, the, yeah, if there's that front of the smiling oh met- met- metropolitan, and they and they worship celebrities. So it's like, look up in the sky, it's a C-list guy from the OC. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very LA attitude. So uh, speaking of LA attitudes, let's drop your social media links. Henry, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Henry Barajas. Um, Henry J. Brahas on you spell Brahas because they're all B- Superman fans A- they're B-A-R-A-J-A-S um, Barajas if you want to say it like this and I do Barajas Barajas like yeah it. you can find me on Instagram Facebook Twitter LinkedIn I'm really active on LinkedIn Fat Life again Fat Life yeah yeah that Henry J. Brahas uh, yep <laughs> alright um, well thanks man this has been great yeah it's man excellent having you here thank you so you're much you're the world's finest guest Henry Barajas <laughs> Barajas, Barajas, right? Barajas, Barajas, oh, bananas. I got a squirrel all the time, like a squirrel, a squivel, a squivel. All right, let's go get burritos. Let's go. You're welcome to come to your guests. Ooh, super friends with Eric Esquivel.